Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster Mai and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Sarah Hendy and on the programme this week, we're having a look back at the most recent Department for Enterprise Creative Industries meetup and we enjoy some poetry from this year's Manx Litfest Poetry Slam. We might also find time for some music from the Bookshop Band. Email me via spotlight at manxradio.com if you have any creative happenings you'd like to share with us all. And don't forget, contact forms, links, listen again and our podcast are all on the Manx Radio website. First this afternoon, we look back at the most recent Department for Enterprise Creative Industries meetup, where media took centre stage and multi-award winning media producer Dave Mosley had some exciting new projects to tell us about. We've got several new um media companies incorporating on the island. One is SBX, which is a uh, street basketball, street entertainment uh, sports company with a, 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 a large number of very televisual projects, uh, which we're um, developing for release with some major UK TV channels. And there is also the Waterbear Network. Uh, the Waterbear Network is a really the child of uh, Off the Fence, which is one of the world's largest independent factual TV distributors. They also produce about 60 hours of television a year themselves, based in the Netherlands, Bristol, uh, London, South Africa, and the United States. And the founder of that, Ellen Windermuth, has decided to form a thing called the Waterbird Network, which is a streaming video on-demand channel, which will be launched at the back end of this year. And they're currently signed up most of the major environmental NGOs in the world including the World Wildlife Fund, uh, Sea Shepherd, uh, Greenpeace, uh, the World Bank, and uh, Beach Buddies, which is really great from the Isle of Man. Um, um, Bill Dale was uh, at an event and uh, as, uh, was very taken with it all and has signed up. The idea being to give a voice to the NGOs to do something about the environment and then to provide a channel to visualize what is actually happening if you donate or become involved in. In linked with it, there'll be a travel business, a music and entertainment business, but the core of it is a streaming video on demand channel, which gives access for people to the major high-quality environmental productions in the world and then gives them the means to do something about what they're seeing. So that's uh, something happening there. We have a company called MKV, which is a Steadicam manufacturing company. They are looking to move manufacturing here and then a training academy. Uh, we have several animation series which uh, Flix, uh, Paul Harbin um, and Leo Cassidy, who are moving their facility, uh, a branch of their facility here, will be producing. Uh, and then there are a number of on-island uh, productions that have started to emerge as this has all become apparent uh, to make use of the, uh, the facilities of Flix, the indigenous facilities that already exist here on the island, and build more onto that, really. These are big names moving to the Isle of Man. What do you think that means for us, for creatives based here? What it means is that creatives can stay here and don't have to go away to get jobs. And it means that we can attract more creatives to the island. Because the, the trick here is to have a larger cluster. Even if everyone in the island was engaged in these things, it wouldn't be sufficient. Uh, so we'll actually grow the population of younger creative people on the island and technically creative as well as creative in the in the more traditional senses of uh, visual arts and so on and so forth 
The great thing about this sector is that you get people who are artists and technicians working together in, in a great collaboration. And sooner or later, you come out with something really special. Now, the island has, is really special. There is a, a fantastic series, which I can't talk about at the moment, which has been um, created by Alistair Audsley, who has worked on the island for many years and is a very, he went to school here. He's a great, uh, a great uh, supporter of the island. And it's, uh, it's a major series, probably in the area of, you might say, sort of Game of Thrones meets Lord of the Rings, but with a huge historical content as well. And, uh, and, and when he's ready to announce it, I think everyone will be very excited about this. It's got, um, it's got the history uh, set at about 790 in the Isle of Man, but it's, it's also got myth and legend and uh, all manner of remarkable elements in it. Uh, that will be announced quite shortly because uh, there is going to be a, a uh, probably a web series, web television series come out of that, and then that will move on to become a, a major TV series. We've got some major artists involved in it, um, including Roger Dean, who uh, I think everyone's familiar with his exhibition that was over here and his other work. He's he's involved, and there are numerous musical and other great creatives involved, uh, including John Rhys Davies, of course, our our tame tame dwarf on the island, uh, he doesn't mind being called that, I know, who's a great actor and a great supporter of this project. So um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few things. So we've got some factual television, we've got some drama, we've got a couple of drama series that I know is, are being incubated on the island and with the facilities of Flix and with the indigenous uh, creative community, then we won't have to go away to get those produced in the major part. In my opinion, it's an ideal thing to build bridges between ourselves, uh, the Northwest Creative Community in the UK, the communities in Dublin and Belfast. If you, if you go to the States, you go to Hollywood, you see the reach of Hollywood is, is not just where it's based, it's all over the West Coast of the United States. We are the same sort of thing, but we're an island off the West Coast of the UK, linking Ireland, linking the Northwest. London is a very important part of this too, but it's almost a city-state in its own right. So if we focus as our position within the Northern Creative Corridor, I think we'll do some fantastic things. We have a reputation in film uh, from the past, and people still talk to us a lot about that at all the film and television festivals. But I think we now need to be looking into series, uh, online productions, and games, because these produce... I mean, even one of those will be 18 months to two years of a, of a working community, and then it repeats. The difference between that and a film, and they, unless you have an entire film studio here, is, is, is much more achievable for us. And I, I honestly sense we're achieving this now. It's fantastic to be a, a small part of it all and uh, to see what's happening on the island and how it's linking up with all these other communities. And we'll have more from that meeting next week. You can find your links on the blog at manxradio.com. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. We're now heading back to the Manx Lit Fest, where Helen Jessup has just been awarded second place in the Poetry Slam. We're treated to an exclusive live performance of her poem, and we'll then be joined by our very own Howard Kane, who won first place with his poem, The Door That Goes Quack. So, Helen Jessup, this is your first Manx Lit Fest Poetry Slam. 
and you've come second. Congratulations. I hear that you only entered on losing a bet. Yes, that's true. I've never written poetry before this time other than in school. So really, really chuffed. Can't believe I came second with a weird poem about an imaginary friend. <laughs> well, what bet did you lose to, to end up in this position? Um, I can't really remember because there was a lot of drinking involved but um, I agreed to do it with the, my friend Jenny Davies who um, has won the Poetry Slam before um, but, and she was supposed to do the Poetry Slam tonight but she is ill and she pulled out and she bailed on me so I was left to do it but I'm pretty shocked that I did it. <laughs> like, can you tell us a little bit about the poem and, and how you started writing it? Because, I mean, for somebody who hasn't written anything for quite some time, it's a tricky thing to get back into. Okay, so I had some notes um, when I sort of had an idea for this in 2012. Um, and then when I thought that I was going to have to actually enter the Poetry Slam, I went back to these weird voice recordings I have of just like the odd couple of lines um, that I had on my phone and I listened to them and I strung them together and put some other um, bits in and this bizarre creation came out and yeah. Well a, a, a bizarre creation it may be but a wonderful one it is too. You're, you're gonna give us yeah you're gonna give us a little performance now of the poem that when you second place in the poetry slam. This is a poem about a small girl called Helen. Oh yes it's an egotistical story I'm telling. It concerns my imaginary friend, who I had when I was four, who lived in the crack between the cupboard and the floor. Now, I called her Miss Lady because that's what she was, and I'm sure she approved of the name because she would smile her big smile, all white pointed teeth, and beckon me to follow her to the gap right beneath the floorboards where the cupboard met the wall. But I never could follow her because, although very small, I couldn't quite contort my body that way, though she made quiet promises I'd join her one day. My mother, as you might imagine, was not a big fan. I suppose there's only so much that one woman can put up with when your child brings evil into your home and you're made to face it all scared and alone. It's not really something you can bring up at mums and tots. Gosh, hasn't he grown? Wow, he's eating such a lot. Any advice on dispatching a malevolent spirit? No, 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 it's fine. Oh, I see, no, it's fine. What's biscuit? And though I would do my best to placate her, it was quite safe to say that my mum hated her. She wanted Lady gone and out of our lives, and truth be told, I can now see why. It might have had something to do with the aura of dread that followed Miss Lady wherever she tread, or the rotting flesh smell that drifted down the halls, or the mysterious bloodstains that appeared on the walls. Perhaps it was the way she screamed at all hours, or perhaps her affinity for malevolent powers of levitation to throw knives and glasses through the air, though it could just have been the dead wasps she left in Mum's hair. Looking back now, I can hardly recall, but in the pictures I drew, she was seven foot tall, with long, spindly arms and fingers long and thin, and a hole in the back where her head was caved in, by the axe, I presume, that she held in her hand. But the four-year-old me would think it quite grand to play hide-and-seek with this spidery figure, who lurked in the shadows, getting bigger and bigger, as my mum grew more frightened of this creature I'd invented, who haunted our house all rotten death-scented. But then, just as quickly as she appeared, she was gone. No more screaming or yowling, blood or wasps, none. And slowly the memories faded as well, along with the stains and the rotting death smell. But now, many years later, as I put her to bed, my own four-year-old daughter stares past my head. She smiles oh so sweetly and says, Ladies here! And that pit in my stomach turns over with fear, when on my neck I feel just a whisper of breath, a breath that smells just like rotting and death. <laughs> yeah.
I think we'll all agree you should lose more bets and I hope we see you again at the, the Poetry Slam. But I mean, there are so many opportunities at LitFest to, to have a try at all sorts of different things. Do you think Do you think maybe you'll be inspired to write a short story at all or another poem for next year maybe? Uh, oh, I, I do write a couple of short stories uh, myself, but none of them are ever quite short enough to get <laughs> under the six minute mark. They tend to be sort of slightly more epic short stories that go on and on and on and on um, but you never know maybe I'll, I'll definitely think about it after this year. Well Howard Kent we had a rather lovely time at Manx Lit Fest's Poetry Slam this year didn't we and you were you were you did rather well but you were quite a late entry as it happens. I was a very late entry in as much as I wasn't actually I left it so late I wasn't on the original list I'd thought about going in for a couple of years and I thought this looks good fun and I quite like doing silly poems and things and I'd seen some of the previous winners and I know Lisa and I know Annie Kizik often goes in and some of the others and some great poets and some look great fun if with an element of competition in it which is always a bit scary isn't it but I thought about it yes and every year I thought oh I'll have a go at that over the last few years and invariably in my usual disorganised world forgot all about it until it was too late and this year uh, John Quirk had been up promoting Litfest ahead of us and I'd interviewed him for the news and I think he'd been on Women Today with Christy and Beth and I think Christy said to me at some stage you ought to have a go at the, that poetry slam you, you quite like doing silly poems and whatever and quite like standing up performing showing off um, so I think yeah, yeah yeah I should do really forgot all about it again as per normal and then purely by chance I think either later that day or possibly the next day in Tesco's bumped into John Quirk again doing his shopping and thought oh yeah poetry slam so I asked John and said how do I go about entering the poetry slam and he said ooh I think you've left it a bit late I think it's full but uh, have a word with Bridget and uh, see what she says they sometimes have a reserved list if people drop out so that's exactly what I did and he was dead right it was full so Bridget said oh how lovely so you know so sorry it's already full but yes I'll, I'll put you on the reserved list you never know, people do drop out. And, yeah, a day or two later, I just got a brief email saying, right, you're on, someone's uh, cancelled for whatever reason, and uh, we've got a space and you've got it. Uh-huh. So then I thought, oh, I better write something. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is it something that you'd already prepared and you already no. had in your stash of poetry, no, or was it? Not no? at all, not at all. I, I, I'm not, I mean, I don't class myself as a real poet, poet. And, and there's a mixture of people there, I thought, this year when I was down, there were some familiar faces, and there were those who were, who were you know, show off, performers <laughs> like me who like to get up and you know be a bit silly and show off a bit and then there were some more serious poets as well who clearly do write on a regular basis and write much more worthy stuff than I do um, and yeah there was a nice mixture uh, of people there but I tend to sometimes uh, someone say oh could you write a funny little poem about such and such a thing and I think you know John Dog does that sort of thing and uh, I know Annie Kizik does and a few others will write things that something that tickle them I had had the idea in as much as it was genuinely based on a door in this building downstairs in the basement, which uh, the, the hinges, it's one of those automatic closing doors on a hydraulic hinge, and it did for a long time quack as it, as it closed. So you'd sort of push your way through one way, and as you walked down the corridor, it would gently swing back, and just as it closed, quack. And I always thought, the door that goes quack isn't that great. And, and so I'd thought about it as a title for a silly poem, but no more than that. And I think, like, without wanting to sort of bring in any spoilers, it is an entertaining poem. It's hilarious. We're all in stitches. So, Howard, uh, if you'd like to share with us your lovely poem, we'd be very grateful to hear it. Well, it is indeed called just The Door That Goes Quack. At the top of the hill, where I work and feel ill, there's a building less church than satanic mill, a place where one labours with colleagues and peers 
to broadcast the news which nobody hears. And down in the bowels of this temple to vowels and to consummate consonants, fair words and fowls, at the end of a corridor, dark, dank and black, there's a door which when closing emits the word quack. It says nothing when opening, no hi or hello, lovely to see you or mind how you go, but as you sail through on the day's favoured tack, it whinges from hinges as it closes the crack. And you can only go forward and never go back. When you've gone through the door, that's the door which goes quack. So why does he do it, the passers-by wail, as if it's man-made when in fact she's female? You'd think a door'd roar, or at least try some singing, but no notice takes she and just keeps on swinging. And you can only go forward and never go back. When you go through the door, that's the door which goes quack. From bashing to bonking, the door's heard it all. It's put wood in the hole and been screwed to the wall, handled quite roughly and tugged by the knob, but says just one word at the end of her job. And you can only go forward and never go back. When you go through the door, that's the door which goes quack. With manicured hands or dirty great mitts, Labradors, mongrels or podgy brown shih tzus, zing and schmoozing or curt as you like, carrying big boxes or pushing a bike, They've all headed forward and never been back. When they went through the door, that's the door which goes quack. And sometimes I ponder, as I wander through en route to the boardroom or back from the loo, if the door had been revolving and I'd rushed quickly in, would it quack, 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 as it started to spin? Would the quacking get louder if there were shouting, or just a touch butcher if someone came outing? A crackerjack quack at five on a Friday, or a snackier quacky on pasty and pie day. You can only go forward, never go back. When you go through the door, that's the door which goes quack. As year followed year, the doors marked my life with everyone through, from my cat to my wife, chums and associates, uncles and aunts, some lovely, some horrid, some dull as your pants. But then someone died, and everything changed. The door remains there, but we've become quite estranged. He's gone through the last time. We'll never be back. I lost my dad. And the door lost its quack. There were tears and, and eyes at the end of your lovely poem. Ah. Um, it, it, I, I think you just you balanced it beautifully. You uh, you don't see it coming, and you're there enjoying this lovely poem, and all of a sudden it's it's got a much more sort of serious tone to it, which is it was really beautiful, and I think it really moved people in the audience. So you're a very worthy winner. Oh, I thank feel. you. Well, I always like that side of things. Pathos, I think it's called, isn't it? And that there are people. Um, there's a, a woman comedian on uh, has been having a, or did have a, a brief series on Radio Four quite recently on Australian. I'm not familiar with her. I can't remember her name to be honest with you. But she was very good at that, and that she would talk along. And again, you know, I, I really like it when people do that. You're, they can be very light and airy and throw away as you please, and you're laughing. And again, you do it in plays. You know, in plays sometimes you see a good play can do that. You, you take people along. And then you throw this thing at the end. Blackadder was a classic one. The end of the Blackadder, the, the one in the First World War. It's all th- show throwaway. And then you have that ending, which is so poignant. And to this day, I still reckon it's one of the most poignant things I personally have done on, on the stage over here. And that, Yeah, it was great doing Blackadder. Very funny and lots of laughs. And you have the end where they go over the top and they're all killed. And uh, Eric Splindley staged it beautifully where... We just sort of came over the top. There was this sort of lots of flashing, some pyrotechnics going off, lots of smoke, the sound of the guns, and we just collapsed onto the stage as the lights faded, and then they came back up with the poppy petals dropping down 
from the uh, from the, uh, the ceiling, you know, coming down through the uh, through the flies, and you could hear people, you know, sobbing in in, in the audience, and it was incredibly emotional. And ditto on the TV when you watched it on TV, where it was done, obviously slightly differently, but uh, with more TV license. And again, yeah, I can remember having tears in my eyes watching it on TV because it suddenly, you thought, oh gosh, that's probably what it was like. I, I have no doubt there was lots of humour in the in the trenches. But equally, we all know how horrible it was. And, uh, yeah, I hadn't really planned it that way, to be honest with you, but I do like pathos. And I'd written this, what was t- real nonsense poem, is what it was really, originally, and it tonkered along. And then as you as you get towards, you think you need an ending. How do you end it? And I hadn't had any real thought. I did lose my dad earlier this year. He died after a long and very happy life, so it was a long life well lived. So a sad but a, a real reason for celebration of a great life as well. And... Uh, and I thought, actually, it's funny enough, the door, I don't know whether it just got a drop of oil or something, but it sort of stopped quacking round about, plus or minus a month or two, the time when, when Dad had died. And, and I thought, I'll tie the two together and stick it in, and that'll give me this sort of poignant ending. It'll kill two birds with one stone, it'll give me an ending to the poem, and it will bring in this element of pathos. So, so it went from being a, two, a pure nonsense poem to one with a poignant ending. Well, beautifully crafted, Howard Kane. Thank you very much for joining us today. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now a little something from the Bookshop Band, who shared the stage with Zoe Gilbert during Litfest and treated us to some glorious creations inspired by literature. Here's a piece called Room for Three, which they were commissioned to write about Philip Pullman's most recent book, La Belle Sauvage. Oh, oh, oh. 
more on the Bookshop Band and everyone else featured on today's programme can be found on our blog at manxradio.com. But that's all we have time for this week. Find the programme on demand or download it as a podcast at manxradio.com and do join me again next Wednesday at 5.30. Have a lovely creative week. Sign you.